you have your Bibles this morning, and I hope that you do, find Mark chapter 5. And as you're finding Mark chapter 5, I have a card that I would like to read to you. Dear Ten Mile Baptist Church, and uh, I want to personally thank each of you for taking your time to assist the Foley family during their unimaginable loss. It took each and every one of you to make sure the service flowed smoothly. I want to thank each of you for being a godly example for our community. Your acts of kindness were a touching reminder of the loving God that we serve. Not only was your service of great help to the family, but also to our funeral home staff. There is a lot of pressure that can come with our duties, and your willingness to share that burden with us made our jobs a little easier. On behalf of the Foley and Vickers family and Golson Funeral Home, thank you from the bottom of our hearts. And so for all that you were here that day that helped park cars and uh, door greeted and got people where they needed to be, they wanted you to hear that. And so thank you for that. Mark chapter 5. Last week we looked at the storms that we go through and how the Lord has a purpose and a plan in those storms. And we looked at how some storms are caused by ourselves, that we have sin in our life. Some storms are the decisions that other people make and we get drug along with them. And then other storms are the ones that God brings into our life to strengthen us, to grow us, to help us believe what He is trying to do in our life. And in chapter 4 and chapter 5, it's very important for you and I to not miss what is going on here. Because we see four miracles that grow in their impressiveness for who God is. Last week, it was the storm. This week, it's the power over the devil. Next week, it is the power over disease and death. And all of these miracles were for the disciples and for us to see who Jesus is to really understand that He is the King of kings and Lord of lords, that we can worship Him, that we can trust Him, that we can believe in Him. And you say, man, Jake, chapter 5 and chapter 6 are are exciting and they're powerful and and God is at work. It, It must have been an amazing time in the ministry and life of Jesus. You're right. But if you flip to chapter 6 in the book of Mark, your Bible probably has a heading above that chapter. And mine says, Jesus rejected at Nazareth. You see, friends, the miracles, the power of God, the display of God, it is meant to either draw us to Him, or, friends, it scares us. It causes us to reject Him. It causes us to run from Him. And so as we look at these miracles over the next few weeks, I want you to trust Him. I want you to lean into Him. Don't be scared of what God is trying to do in your life or what He might ask of you or where He might send you. But really focus in on Him. I want to read a book, a verse from the book of Psalms, chapter 59, Psalm 59, before we get started. Because I think it's fitting to remind ourselves as we go through this sermon today, what should be our heart's cry? In Psalm 59, verse 16... The Word of God says this, But I will sing of your power. Yes, I will sing aloud of your mercy in the morning. For you have been my defense, 
a refuge in the day of my trouble. I hope today that you can say that. That you have seen God's power, God's authority, God's blessing in your life. And what it says there in times of defense, in days of trouble, who is the Lord to you? And so if you would pray with me. Father, we thank you so much for your word. And as we start this morning, Lord, it's only you. You're the only one who can accomplish anything. Lord, you're the only one that can change lives. And so, Father, I ask that you'd help me to preach your word humbly, faithfully, and accurately. Lord, I pray that you would forgive me of any sin in my heart and life that would grieve or hinder what you're wanting to do in this place today. And I ask it in the precious name of Jesus. Amen. And so when we come to Mark chapter 5, if you remember, Jesus says we've got to go across. They get right across, and here meets a man with them. And so if you're taking notes this morning, and I hope that you will, write this down this morning with us. We see a man with a life-changing problem. A man with a life-changing problem. Look here in verses 1 through 5 as we meet this man. Then they came to the other side of the sea, to the country of the Gadarnes. And when he had come out of the boat, immediately there met him out of the tombs a man with an unclean spirit. This man was demon-possessed. And if you're not careful, you can get so much into the demon possession that you can focus on that instead of who God is. And this morning, I don't want you to miss that because you're probably not struggling with demon possession, but yet there might be demonic influence in your family, in your marriage. Maybe today your problem is different. Maybe it's emotional. Maybe it is physical. Maybe it is financial. Maybe it is something spiritual. But know this morning, if you're not careful, you will begin to focus on the problem, on the difficulty, on the situation, and you will miss who God is. But it goes on and says, who had his dwelling among the tombs. So I want you to see that. This life-changing problem had drove him from his home, drove him from the people he loved, drove him from the people that he grew up with. It had changed his residence. And no one could bind him, not even with chains. That he was so harmful to himself and others. He was so disruptive. He was so dysfunctional that they tried to chain him to protect himself and others. Friends, can you imagine doing that to the person you love? Can you imagine having to look at them and saying, it would be better for you to be in chains and in bondage and shackled than to be able to live the life that you are living. And friends, let's be honest, many of us have chains. Whether it's the things that happened when we were being raised, whether it is the problems of life. But let's go on, because he had often been bound with shackles and chains. And the chains had been pulled apart by him, and the shackles broken in pieces. Neither could anyone tame him. And always... Always, this is a constant battle. No relief, no break. And always, night and day, he was in the mountains and in the tombs, crying out and cutting himself with stones. It separated him from the people he loved. It shackled him from a life worth living. It drove him to a place where he harmed himself, crying out in agony constantly. 
This is a situation that we almost cannot imagine. But yet it had ruined everything about this man's life. Today you say, well, Jake, I don't have things like that going on in my life. And I pray this morning that you don't. I pray this morning that the problems that you are facing when you think about that seem a little less serious. But friends, what I've realized is when there is water coming in on my boat, it don't matter how much water, it causes me concern. And when the problems of life affect you, even though they might not be as big as what someone else is going through, let's be honest, when it affects me, it matters. When it affects my children, it matters. When it affects your grandchildren, it matters. Listen to what Job said in the 14th chapter, verse 1, about life. In Job 14, verse 1, it says, Man who is born of woman is of few days and full of trouble. Job says life is short and there are going to be problems. You say, well, Jake, I don't have any problems. That is a wonderful place to be. And do not, like I said last week, feel guilty when God has blessed you, when God has given you your health, when God has given you a blessed marriage, when God has blessed you financially, when you sit in a seat like you do this morning and say, you know what, Jake, my life, God has been so good to me. Don't feel guilty. But don't forget that you're probably one of the few. And God will send you to people that are hurting, send you to people that are broken, send you to people that have baggage, send you to people that need a life-changing moment. And so we see this life-changing problem that had affected this man. But I want to show you the second thing this morning. We see a God with life-changing power. A God with life-changing power. Look what it says there in verse 6. When he saw Jesus from afar, he ran and worshipped him. And he cried out with a loud voice saying, What have I to do with you, Jesus, son of the most high God? I implore you by God that you do not torment me. For he said to him, Come out of the man, unclean spirit. And then he asked him, What is your name? And he answered saying, My name is Legion, for we are many. Also he begged him earnestly that he would not send them out of the country. Now a large herd of swine was feeding there near the mountains. So all of the demons begged him saying, Send us to the swine that we may enter them. And at once Jesus gave them permission. Then the unclean spirit went out and entered the swine. There were about 2,000. And the herd ran violently down the steep place into the sea and drowned in the sea. Now this is a very difficult passage of Scripture because one, it says they worshipped Him. And you say, why would demons worship Him? Friends, you need to understand that demons are angels that rebelled with Satan. They have been in the presence of God. They know who Jesus is. They know He's the King of kings. They know He's the Lord of lords. They know that everything was created by Him and for Him and through Him. They recognize their place. And you need to know something, that even though Satan works and moves in the world today, even though the followers of Satan work and move in the world today, you need to remember that He who is in you, 
is greater than He who is in the world. That God is the one who sits on the throne in heaven. God is the one with all the power. God is the one with all authority. And did you notice that? They had to ask permission. And God said, you can. And this morning I want to encourage you with that because whatever you're facing, whatever you're struggling with, whatever burden you're carrying, you need to remember that whatever God has allowed you to go through, whatever struggle you're facing, whatever burden you're carrying, whatever brokenness you are trying to to hold on to, you need to know that God is above it. That God is over it. That God can work in it. And so when we see this passage of Scripture and we see this request, we almost look at it as, this is just mind-blowing. Well, this is very important because one, the Jewish people, as you know from their dietary restrictions, would not have ate swine. But yet, there were such large groups of Roman soldiers in Israel that they loved to eat it. So they wouldn't grow it. And they wouldn't have nothing to do with it, eat it, but they would raise them for a profit. And so what we see here is Jesus allowing these demons to go into these pigs, messed with their bottom dollar. And that's why we're going to see in a minute the hatred, the rejection of Him, is because Jesus did something that affected their livelihood. And what we need to see here is that God has the power to change lives. He has the power to set people free. He has the power to break the chains and the shackles that you have placed on yourself. He has the power to overcome the sin that is keeping you from being who God wants you to be. And this is important because what we see here is this man was not just possessed by one demon, but by many And friends, why I believe they were afraid is because Jesus was going to send them back or send them to hell where they would be bound until the book of Revelation says they are released. And so they ask Him not to be sent. Now some Bible commenters say, well, why didn't He do this or why didn't He do this? And look up here. There are some things you will read in the Bible and you will look and say, that's above my pay grade. And this is one of them. But what I believe is this. Jesus allowed them to go into those swine because He wanted to see the owner's reaction. He wanted them to have to make a decision. What will you do with Jesus when it costs you something? What will you do with Jesus when it affects your way of living? Listen to what it says in Psalms chapter 50, verse 15. In Psalms verse 50, chapter 50, verse 15, the Bible says these words. Call upon me in the day of trouble. I will deliver you and you shall glorify me. You see, this man came to Jesus, cried out to Jesus, and Jesus what? Changed everything. And this morning, I hope that you will hear that from this sermon. Whatever the life-changing problem that you're facing, that you will run to a life-changing God. Not to a pastor, Not to a church, not to a way of thinking, but to Him. Third and final thing. You say, Jake, we're going to get out early today? Just possibly, okay? We've seen a man with a life-changing problem, and I hope that you can put yourself there if there's something going on. We've seen a God who has life-changing power, 
But then third, we see what is the response? What is the response when the power of God is at work? When lives are being changed? And this morning, I hope that you will consider your response. Look what it says here in verse 14. So those who fed the swine fled. And they told it in the city and in the country. And they went out to see what it was that had happened. Then they came to Jesus and saw the one who had been demon-possessed and had the legion sitting and clothed and in his right mind. And they were afraid. And those who saw it told them how it happened to him who had been demon-possessed and about the swine. And they began to plead with him to depart from their region. Don't miss this this morning. The power of God worked in this man's life. These individuals had witnessed it. And they went to town and said, you know the crazy guy that runs around naked with broken chains, who hurts himself, who's out of his mind, who can't be controlled? (laughs) Something's happened. Whatever was tormenting him has just killed a bunch of pigs. You've got to come see this. Now, you can imagine that. What? We've chained him, we've bound him, we've tried to help him. That don't make any sense. 2,000 pigs just ran down into the water and drowned themselves. And they show up. And what do they see? The crazy man who's no longer crazy. They see a naked, broken man who's no longer naked and broken. They see him sitting there. And what is their response? They're afraid. Now that wouldn't be a big deal because all of us would probably look at that and think, what happened? I mean, some of the way you look at someone when they raise their hand in service, they're like, oh, what happened with Adam? Why are they happy this morning? Can you imagine what that would be like? But that isn't what concerns me. What do they ask him to do? Leave. Leave. Why? Why would you ask Jesus to leave? When he can change a life. When he can set someone free. It is because you love something more than God. And for them, it was their way of life. They were worried, one, about the financial side of it, but two, they were worried about, what if the Romans are mad at us? What if they want their eggs and bacon and there's no bacon, right? What, What if that? It's fear. It changes our life. It might affect how we do things. Maybe it was because they were afraid the power of God was going to deal with them and their heart, and their life. And so they ask him, you've got to leave. What they were doing was rejecting him. And what we've looked at through chapter 3, what we looked at through chapter 4, was continually, right, God giving people the opportunity to make a decision about him. Whether it was the miracles, whether it was the calming of the storm, whether it was giving sight to the blind, it was Jesus showing Here I am. I am who I say I am. I'll do what I'm promised to do. What's your response? 
But let's go on and see in verse 18. And when he got in the boat, he says, if you want me to leave, I'll leave. He who had been demon-possessed begged him that he might be with him. However, Jesus did not permit him, but said to him, Go home to your friends and tell them what great things the Lord has done for you and how he has had compassion on you. And he departed and began to proclaim in Decapolis all that Jesus had done for him. And all marveled. You see, this man says, I want to go with you. You've changed my life. You've you've done something for me that no one else could do. Let me go with you. And Jesus says, no. I want you to go somewhere first. I want you to go home. I want you to go to the people that you knew the best. The people who had been hurt the most. The people who had been devastated above all. And he said, I want you to go to them. Friends, the message is not changed. When God saves us, when God changes us, when God forgives us of our sins, the first people we should go to are the people that know us the best. You know why that is? Because they're the ones that are going to see the change. They're the ones that are going to see a new life. That is why when someone says, I have made a profession for Christ, I've trusted Him as the Lord and Savior of my life, and they live the same way they did before they got saved, looked up here, they never met Jesus. Because when you get saved and when God changes you, when God truly comes to live within you as the power of the Holy Spirit and the presence of the Holy Spirit, you are different. There is something about you that has changed. And so we have got to quit making excuses that I live the same way I did. I talk the same way I did. I think the same way I did. No, there is something different about you. You're a peculiar people when God changes you. You say, well, Jake, I wasn't demon-possessed. My change has not been that big. No, what God did for you when you got saved is bigger than demon-possession. He took a dead person and made you alive. He took a lost person and made you saved. He made you who were enemies of God, a child of God. Salvation is the greatest miracle that God does. And so it should be the biggest change that God does. It's altering. It's life changing. It's relationship changing. You say, Jake, how can I restore a relationship that was broken? Jesus. How can I reconcile with my family? Jesus. How can I be a witness at work? Jesus. How can I make a difference where God sends me? Jesus. You see, most of us witness the least with our family and the people we spend the most time with for this reason. You're not going to like this. That's okay. Most of us don't want our Christianity held accountable. Most of us, if we're honest, if we live out our faith, we know that when we stumble, someone's going to say something. We don't want that. We'd rather just go along with everyone else, live like everyone else, keep our Christianity as quiet as we can into ourselves. Because friends, when you stand up for Jesus, you need to know there is a target on your back. Satan's trying to convince those people that you work with. Oh, there he is again. Church on Sunday, lost his temper at work on Monday. Oh, 
standing up clapping at church, not taking out the trash on Monday at home, or whatever it is, that's how Satan tries to convince us that you can't live for Jesus. You can't make a difference for Jesus. You're just going to fail. You're going to do all these things. But you need to know that when God changes you and God is working through you, He can use you to do amazing things in the people that you love the most. You say, Jake, I want my children to be saved. I want my grandchildren to be saved. I want my nieces and nephews to be saved. Quit waiting for someone else to be that influence. And you be it. You tell them about what God has done for you. Look what it says there in verse 19. Go home to your friends and tell them what great things the Lord has done for you. You don't need to tell them about the sermon from Sunday. You don't have to tell them about what songs we sang. You ought to be telling about what Jesus is doing in your life. How He has blessed you. How He has forgiven you. You say, Jake, I don't have a testimony. Friends, if you don't have a testimony at all, there's a problem. Because God has saved you. God loves you. God died for you. God has changed you if you know Him. And you can tell Him that. When you're going through something and someone comes up to you and says, hey, I know you're going through cancer. I know you're going through divorce. I know you're going through betrayal. But hey, I want to tell you, I've been there and God was faithful. Because he says, you tell them what God's done for you and how God has had compassion on you. Friends, if there's nothing else that you can brag about what God has done for you, it's the fact that he has shown compassion to us. That God has not given us what we deserve, but is willing to save, is willing to forgive, is willing to give us opportunity after opportunity after opportunity. But look what happened in verse 20. And he departed and began to proclaim and to capless all that Jesus had done for him. He wasn't telling everybody about... Did you hear about the storm that Jesus calmed on the water? He wasn't talking about the fact that Jesus had given sight to some blind person on the other side of the river. He wasn't talking about how Jesus had made some lame person walk. He said, I was in captivity... I was demon-possessed. I was chained and away from my family. I was living in the tombs where they buried the dead. I had no hope. And a man met me and has changed me forever. Friends, that should be our testimony. I was lost and now I'm found. Blind, but now I see. And look how this ends. And all marveled. Friends, they didn't all believe, but they could not deny the evidence. And that is the challenge for us as Christians. We cannot convince anyone to believe. That is something only the Holy Spirit does. We cannot convict people of their sin. That is something only the Holy Spirit does. But we are to live in such a way that even though they don't believe, they can look at us and say, there is something different about them. The evidence is there, even if I choose not to believe it. And so my challenge to you today, is there any evidence in your life at all that God has touched you? Is there any evidence at all in your marriage that God has touched you?
Is there any evidence at all when you go to work or you go to church or you sit at the ball field that God has did something in you? Because if there's not, today that can all change. Jesus died on the cross, was buried, rose again to save you. You say, Jake, I know I'm saved, but I just don't see much evidence. Look up here. Today's the day to repent. Today is the day to say, Lord, I want to be used when I go home. Lord, I want to be used when I go to school. Lord, I want to be used when I am at work. God, use me to show other people that there is a life-changing God. Now, some of you are looking at me and going, Jake, my life is full enough. I've got more on my plate than I can handle. I don't want to be used by God like that. Friends, that's a scary place to be. Because what this man showed us was it doesn't matter what your past is. It don't matter how broken you are. It don't matter how many people you've hurt. How much betrayal you've done. When you meet Jesus, everything can change. And I know you, you're all as white as the driven snow. You don't have a past. You don't have a... You don't have a, all the baggage, but I'm telling you, I'm glad that Jesus saw me in my mess. It didn't say, Jake, you're too broken. Oh, Jake, you've hung out in the spot too many times. Jake, you, you've lied too many times. Jake, you've chased and you've done this. and you, Jake, you're just too broken. Oh, when the Lord came dealing with me, it was I knew you were a sinner. I loved you when you were a sinner. I died for you when you were a sinner. And today can be the day. And friends, this morning, that's my prayer for you, is that today you won't push him away. You won't tell him to get away, but that you'll say, Lord, I need you. And he will forever change your life. Father, I thank you so much for your word. Lord, I pray this morning that you would forgive me for my shortcomings and stumblings, Lord. Lord, today I do pray in this place for those that don't know you first and foremost. Whatever lie Satan has been telling them, Lord, I pray that you would open their eyes, open their ears, show them, Lord, that you love them, that you want a relationship with them, and Lord, that you will forgive them. Father, for those that are here today that are your children that know you, but Lord, have let the things of this life entangle them. The things of this life become more important to them than you. That today would be a day of rededication, recommitment. And Lord, those who are here today that are just struggling, that Lord don't know where they're going to turn, the battles they're facing, the problems they're going through, Lord, that today they would run to you and know that you are able. Lord, help us to be a church that's thankful for how good you are to us. And Lord, I ask it all in the precious name of Jesus. Amen.